Part of raising a healthy, well-adjusted kid is making sure that your child is well-informed. Well, while studying history in your spare time may not be your family's thing, like other subjects traditionally taught in school, knowing our history is still a pertinent part of being well-informed. So it is possible that being ill-informed with a lack of historical knowledge or inaccurate historical teaching could actually be affecting our kids' perspectives, their attitudes, even their behaviors today. Now, what about the impact of our relationships with our kids? Is it possible that a slanted view of history could even be driving a wedge of distrust and disrespect, not only between parents and children, but what about between those children and their God? Well, we'll take a look at all that today on License to Parent. Hello and welcome once again to our broadcast. Licensed to Parent is the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential facility for troubled teens. Our host on the program, as always, is Trace Embry. He's the founder and director of Shepherd's Hill Academy, and I'm Rich Rosel. And Trace, uh, most all of Americans down through the years have been taught and have viewed our founding fathers and other prominent historical figures from America's past as heroes, but today's kids are often seeing those heroes of ours as anything but heroes. Briefly, what do you think is going on here? Yeah, well, you know, my first thought is to say that, you know, in addition to the liberal bias they're getting in higher and lower education, the entertainment arts and, you know, in today's media, arguably the biggest reason, thanks to the Internet, is the multitudes of unvetted, ill-informed, politically biased, agenda-based, and morally depraved individuals now I'll have their own platforms for indoctrinating the masses, which includes our kids, with revisionist history and other associated rhetoric. So many of the people we've always viewed as our heroes uh, from our knowledge of history are now considered to be zeros of history in the eyes of our kids. But a lot of our kids are getting no history at all, uh, not even in their schools. And uh, what they do get uh, comes from what they see on the Internet. Now, speaking of the Internet, though, you said that smartphones are like having a library on steroids in our kids' hip pockets. Of course, most brick-and-mortar libraries have actual librarians on <laughs> staff who build and curate the library's collections of books. But regardless, do you think that kids can ever really have too much knowledge? Well, these things are addictive adult toys. Uh, a, a decade ago, I would have probably given you the same answer that most people would give you. Uh, of course, a kid can't have too much knowledge. But today, I think that even adults can have too much knowledge. I mean, why would you want ISIS having our nuclear secrets? Uh, I don't even want those guys to know where to get knives. <laughs> I, I, I don't want my neighbors to know the passcode to my computer or my alarm system. Do we really want the world's pedophiles knowing where our kids' bedroom windows are? I mean, do I want any kid to know how to pull off the most effective mass shooting and how to get away with it? Do I want Google or Facebook knowing or sharing all my personal information? I mean, I could go on with all that, but... You know, on just the topic of history, I think we need all the information that we can get to come to the best objective perspective on truth possible. Well, let me bring in our guest today. Joining us to help us sort fact from fiction is a man you may not initially think of as a historian, but he's written five books with a six coming out shortly. Four of these New York Times bestsellers, several delve into the real stories behind certain historical events, including Andrew Jackson and the Miracle of New Orleans. He's also well-known to many, though, as a broadcaster. In fact, he's on the air six hours a day, five days a week, as co-host of Fox & Friends and host of the nationally syndicated radio show, The Brian Kilmeade Show on Fox News Talk. Of course, that probably gives away the fact that Brian Kilmeade is with us. Brian and his wife and their three kids live in Massapequa, New York. In the spare time, he does radio broadcasts. Uh, Brian, welcome to License to Parent. Glad you, be, uh, you could be with us, brother. 
Uh, thanks for having me. Just don't give out my street address. We might have some unwelcome <laughs> guests. That's, that's called too much information. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, you just made our point. Well, listen, you, you, you've written a, a couple of books, uh, several books, but uh, the, the two we have here are about men who traditionally known to, to be American heroes. You had a lot of, you know, today's kids are being taught that these men, uh, Washington, Jackson, Jefferson, and the like, should be erased from American history as, as being heroes. So why is it uh, a bad idea? And, and why is it so important for parents to reaffirm the hero status of these men and their constituents? Well, I just think everybody wants to know their history. I'm reading a book right now on Booker T. Washington, and he says he had no idea of his birthday. He had no idea who his father was his whole life. And he was so envious in, 18, you know, in the Civil War era when he was a teen and preteen of all these people who could say, there's my grandfather, or this is where I was born. He just knew roughly uh, his parents were taken from Africa. Yeah. And next thing you know, he's here. And he always, like, always was, um, he talked about yearning for some tradition. I'll give you another simpler example. Would anyone be watching football on Sunday if it was just football? No, you look at tradition and history. Wow. You know, USC is playing UCLA. Is it just, you know, third, you know is it just 11 on 11? Hmm. No, it is 50, 60, 70, 80 years of playing, rolling back footage of what it meant in the past. Right. There's some link to history. Why do you have a Cooperstown? Why do you have a Canton? Because people are dying to have history to make today relevant. You have to be able to understand where we came from, yeah. whether it's something as uh, to many insignificant as sports or it's a national heritage of, of our unlikely uh, coming to be, and yeah. that is the story of our country. Yeah, and you know, when it comes to kids, we, we've got a lot of adopted kids here, and they all want to know where they come from. Uh, but what does this say about the American public school system today? I don't get it. I, to me, it's our history, and if you want to have some nuances to new things that are discovered, if it's uh, if you want to give more detail to the founding from fourth graders as opposed to 11th graders, I get it. But to me, it's the simplest thing. You know, you have to debate on math and how to teach it and when to deliver it and biology and chemistry and what goes into that and when the brains are ready to receive what part of science. That's a debate, uh, an academic debate. To, to me, it's social studies. History mm-hmm. should Civics. be part of every curriculum, the smallest and biggest school, the, most, uh, the biggest public or the, or the smallest private. Mm-hmm. And people are going to the private school uh, oftentimes because they want to go back to traditional, this is grammar the way you're supposed to be. This is math, no shortcuts. Right. And this is our history. It's, that's how it actually happened. Yeah. No opinion. Right. One of the things that we deal with here in, well, we're just north of Atlanta, Georgia, but uh, there's been a debate in recent years about whether or not all of the uh, Civil War uh, monuments should be torn down. I had an interesting conversation with a friend of mine who's an African-American pastor in Atlanta, and we were talking about what should be done about Atlanta and the Civil War monuments. And he said, I'd leave them all there. He said, my goal is to have the complete history taught. Yeah. Uh, you know, don't, don't varnish it, but also don't try to hide it. Don't bury it. Any, any thoughts on that? I do. I, I mean, I, I know it's dicey. And I, and I could see if looking up at a general that bought and rallied a society to make keep slavery intact, I could see how it could rattle uh, those in the African American community, sure. but then I listened to a lot of my Charles Barkley says I, you know, I grew up in Alabama. I saw those statues. I never gave him a second thought. Mm-hmm. You know, that was then. This is now. Look how far we've come. Look how far we got to yeah. go. It's part of our history. I also thought of interesting would be put an additional plaque on there. You know, if you put there, you recognize the general. They thought they were fighting for something of their time in in civilization, mm-hmm. and then you put a plaque on there where he, you know, this is. 
you know, how many slaves he had. Uh, but it also shows prior to that there was a Mexican war. And in the U.S.-Mexican War, all these men fought together. Right. Yeah. And all these officers fought in one for our country uh, for the right to hold on to Texas. Mm-hmm. And what would end up being New Mexico and the rest of California. So were they bad in 1836? And were they great in 1840s and terrible in the, 19- in the 1860s? These are these are people that should be studied, not judged. Yeah, and that's the, well, you just hit on it. Uh, no one's studying it. Uh, there, most of these kids, they are getting their information from other kids on social media. But in the news recently, one of the Democratic candidates for president made a big deal about President Trump having a picture of uh, Andrew Jackson hanging in the White House. Now, your book emphasizes this guy's loyal patriotism, brilliance, and moral integrity. Uh, he's on our $20 bill for crying out loud. Uh, as our kids try to parcel out all the different spins they get on news and history these days, what can you say to parents that would help them uh, come to a more objective assessment concerning that man, Andrew Jackson? So I wrote George Washington's Secret Six about George Washington's spying that helped uh, bring down the British. And one of the officers quoted in the opening is, you know, George Washington didn't now fight us, he outspied us. Mm-hmm. So I try to enlighten people in different areas and understand that it's everybody's history, not just the founding fathers and some famous generals. And then the next one, Thomas Jefferson, the Tripoli Pirates, uh, pirates they actually took on Islamic extremists and how they did it, what led to it, and how they treated Americans over there. The hostage-taking uh, was unbelievable. The, the, the slave culture that was uh, fomenting in North Africa and throughout the Middle East uh, was everywhere. That's what built the pyramids. So... I was there to study and expose it and not judge it. Yeah. And then with Andrew Jackson, Miracle of New Orleans, you look at the War of 1812, and this 13-year-old who volunteered to fight in the Revolutionary War gets captured along with his brother and put and imprisoned. His mom gets him out. His brother dies. His older brother dies. His mom dies, uh, leaving him an orphan. He gets raised by the town, the county, the country. And he lives for two things, to pay back the British and to pay back the country for giving him a shot. And this orphan uh, becomes a lawyer, a judge, an attorney general, a senator, a congressman, a major general, self-taught leader, a multi, you know, one of the richest men of his day, and a two-term president. Mm-hmm. How is that not a great American story? <laughs> is it the story of a great, uh, is it a story of a perfect American no. Right. It is a story of a patriotic American who was looked at by Reagan, Teddy Roosevelt, Franklin Roosevelt, Harry Truman, LBJ, as an indispensable part of our past who should be studied before they took the office. Yes, yes, and yes. And what did I describe to you? Republicans and Democrats mm-hmm. who said, I got to learn the leadership and why this guy in the second generation of Americans, was able to rally his troops, who was ever not attending one day of military war college, and overcome trained, the trained forces that just defeated Napoleon and wiped them out in 45 minutes. What is not great about that? Well, you, remember, we're dealing with young people whose, whose critical, constructive, and creative thinking capacities have wilted away because of the time they're spending on digital technology. And so our kids still see this guy as a, as a slave owner. And I want to put slavery on the shelf for just a second. Uh, the trail of tears alone is reason enough in the, in the eyes of these kids uh, and, and naive adults, for that matter, uh, you know, to, to strip Andrew Jackson of his hero status, as they see it. Are there facts about this event that are missing in today's history books that these kids and, and some of these uh, far-left people are not taking into account when they think about this situation with Jackson? 
Uh, I actually can't, I can't tell you what's in every history book, mm-hmm. uh, but I can tell you about the War of 1812. And then I could tell you about what he did to make America, keep America whole. And I could tell you that in writing, he was all about the Union first. And one of the people he mentored, who I write about in my book, Sam Houston and the Alamo Avengers, um, they were all about keeping the Union together. Now, they were in the South. And when, they, when South, South Carolina tried to secede, he basically threatened a military invasion and said, I'll overthrow the entire state government, and you're staying. So he was about keeping the country together. So that should be lauded. Mm-hmm. He was self-taught. That should be lauded. In any other country, he would have been a vagrant or a criminal. In our country, he was able to rise through the ranks. And if he's an imperfect person, he was a person of his time. Right. There are people that are going to look back at our time and say, what were those people in 2019 thinking? Those people are looking back at 2008 and said, what's this guy, horrible person named Barack Obama thinking when he said marriage is between a man and a woman? But, but, you know, the thing is, I'm not judging Barack Obama in 2008. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm taking note. I'm understanding that society of the day. Mm-hmm. And, and I also see what they had to overcome on a daily basis. As you're a settler and you land in New York, and you go, there's no land here. It's too expensive. I've got to go out west. Well, the problem is there's no roads and there's nothing but trees. Well, what do you do? You chop them down. You make a house. And if you attacked by Indians along the way, yeah, I've got to get protection. Right. And I, you know, the, you are part of... Uh, the Mayflower, where you landed on Plymouth Rock, you weren't part of Jamestown, and you weren't part of what they, what they might term as somebody's grabbing their land, but you're here 150 years later. And you're, say, you're saying, I landed, I paid for this land, I made this land, there's nobody here, and if you're mad at, uh, you're mad at the West, don't wipe out my family, so I'm going to protect myself. Yeah. And if you've been protecting yourself, if you end up in a battle with Indians and they lose their lives, are you a murderer? No, because, and you can't point, if you're an Indian, you can't say, well, 200 years ago, you came here uninvited. Well, it's, it's 1790. Mm-hmm. It's 1840. How, what do you want me to do about 1619? Yeah. I can't do anything about it. So to me, we never would have this conversation 10 years ago. Right. I don't know why we're having it now. Right. Throughout history, you know, whether biblical history or extra-biblical uh, accounts, uh, one people group has always taken another people group's uh, stuff and land as the spoils of war. That's just how things work. And, and looking at you know, Native American history through the lenses of our government's position on manifest destiny, while also looking at what our kids are being taught about Darwin's survival of the fittest, again, I, I want to ask, why is Jackson a problem? And why shouldn't our kids be asking their teachers who the Indians actually took it from before the Europeans took it from them? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, I, again, I'm, I'm, at, I'm at a loss. <laughs> Do I think, am I pro-trail tra- of tears? No. But if you look at it, um, it was a policy that was in place. Jackson leaves office. Martin Van Buren picks it up. It was misconstrued, horribly executed. And next thing you know, these Indian tribes are walking thousands of miles uh, through the winter, many of which lost their lives. Mm-hmm. That was never the intention. But back then, Indian, American Indian issues were front and center in every president through Lincoln. So if you're going to condemn Jackson, condemn his predecessors, and, and condemn his successors, all the way through this horrible person named Abraham Lincoln. Right. If it were required that individuals had to have zero skeletons in their closet uh, before being considered for leadership or, or even hero status, from where would we pull our pool of, of candidates? Yeah, where would we find a hero? There's none. 
Thank you. And there's none. I mean, you, you basically got to go out and say, you know, this is what I did. This is where I am. Yeah. And, you know, everyone's in this gotcha story. So right. remember the George right. Bush DWI mm-hmm. uh, that came out a week before, or days before the election that uh, many people think allowed Al Gore to have a mini rally. How could this guy 25 years ago have a DWI? The mm-hmm. problem was he didn't tell us ahead of time. It's insane. Let yeah. somebody else come out. Yeah. Well, so that, the first thing you got to do is expose everything you did wrong. Right. Right. You can't even remember everything you did wrong. But if a, if a man rescued you, Brian, from a burning building, would the fact that he had been a lying, thieving cheat at one time mitigate the fact that he also acted hero- heroically? No. So, yeah. so is this man still a hero? Or, or would you want him not to rescue you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you can't rescue me. You, uh, you want an affair and your wife, uh, you know, it's craziness. You know, it's just absolutely. <laughs> what if he remained a lying, thieving cheat his whole life after saving you? Would he still be a hero? Would you, would you, if you decide to erect a statue of this guy in, in your front yard in his honor for what he'd done for you, would you be wrong? And if your kids asked you to take it down, would you? Uh, no, I mean, I, I would not take it down. I'm not somebody to rip down statues. As I've said before, we, we're soon going to become a nation of pedestals. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. There's, there's nothing I could say to add to this. Now, I know I'm about to go on tour again with this uh, Alamo book, and they're going to say, you know, Texas belonged to Mexico. They, with the, the Spanish, they got their freedom, fought, got their freedom from the Spanish, and it belongs to them. If you talk to Thomas Jefferson, he got it in the Louisiana Purchase. If you talk to Andrew Jackson, he can't believe John Quincy Adams gave it away. If I talk to Hispanic leaders, I know I'm going to get it. They're going to say, this is part of America rewriting history. I belong to Mexico. Technically, yeah. But when they took away all the rights and freedoms of the Texians, that's what they were known back right then, and they were almost all Americans, there was almost no um, uh, Hispanic presence back then, they said, we're perfectly happy to be a state of Mexico until you said liberty is not for us. We're the, we're the relocated Americans who came here on your invitation, and now you're taking our rights away? Have you met a Texan? Mm. They're not going to take that. No. So they rallied against impossible odds after devastating, devastating losses at the Alamo and Goliad, where they were literally massacred uh, and killed in cold blood. They were managed to beat a superior Mexican army and take them out in 18 minutes and capture Santa Ana, their president, and their commanding general. So that's the American story. I know people are going to twist it back and say, well, we took it. No, they won it. And when you took their rights away. We're talking today on Licensed to Parent with the co-host of Fox and Friends and host of the nationally syndicated radio show, The Brian Kilmeade Show. He's also a historian and an author. And uh, by the way, he mentioned just a moment ago his forthcoming book, Sam Houston and the Alamo Avengers, The Texas Victory That Challenged American History. That is available through his website, also on Amazon and uh, uh, wherever you buy your books. We'll be back with more conversation with Brian in just a moment. And when we come back, I want to start digging into what sources families can find to find the truth historically. We'll talk about that more in just a moment. This is Licensed to Parent. Remember back in the late 80s and early 90s as the internet hit the scene? You know, the information superhighway? We had great hopes that this new knowledge economy would make our teens more aware, diversify their tastes, and improve their verbal skills. But the enlightenment didn't happen. Technology has had the opposite effect. What once promised great hope for the future is now used to indulge in diversions. 
The Dumbest Generation by Mark Bauerlein, subtitled How the Digital Age Stupefies Young Americans and Jeopardizes Our Future, or Don't Trust Anyone Under 30, presents a portrait of the young American mind at this critical juncture, revealing the true cost of the digital age and our last chance to fix it. The Dumbest Generation by Mark Bauerlein, available in the store at LicensedToParent.org. Proceeds benefit the Shepherd's Hill Academy Scholarship Fund. Teen rebellion, depression, addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherd's Hill Academy offers a 12-month Christ-centered nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherd's Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and licensed parents to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. Uh, I cannot gainsay how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. You're tuned to Licensed to Parent. You'll find us online at licensedtoparent.org. While you're there, you can pick up some of our past conversations and uh, hear other things we've had to say of hopefully import and interest to parents trying to be intentional in the way they raise their teens. Our guest today is Brian Kilmeade. We're talking to him about uh, some of the history books that he has written. In fact, he's got a new one coming out shortly about Texas, about Sam Houston and the Alamo Avengers. That'll be uh, available. In fact, you can pre-order it now through Amazon and other sites. But, uh, Brian, in, in trying to find the truth of history, where do you go? Where, where can people go to find the real stories as, as opposed to the rewritten or watered down or just downright inaccurate history? Number one, you've got to find the authors you trust. And when you look at Douglas Brinkley, David McCullough, John Meacham, I think that's a great three to start. Jay Winnick, uh, who does, you know, we did 1865. Um, and he, uh, you, you go to these people that focus on these one areas and these one people, like, and they've been invaluable. The other thing I would do is, wherever you are listening to this, there is this history in your area. There is something so laudable and underappreciated about those who stay in these small museums, these small areas marking historical sites. And it's not necessarily the, you know, not everything's in Washington, and not everything's the Smithsonian. But those people who uh, will keep uh, the, story, the stories alive. And a lot of times they do it part-time, they make very little money, but they care so much about this country and the history and what happened at that place. They're able to provide for me an oral history that spurs my going out and to verify it. Yeah. So when I go out to the Battle of uh, New Orleans, I go to the battlefield, and as I'm sure enough, there's two or three people there with superintendents, and they're able to bring me through and, and give me sources. And when they see the sincerity in which we're approaching and the history you've already done, they're going to impart it. And you could walk mm-hmm. in there as a blank slate. And it might be this historic graveyard. You know this 200 years old. Well, go inside. They'll walk into the graves, and they'll tell you about these people. And a lot of times people want to hear it. They're auditory learners. Mm-hmm. They don't want to read it. Okay, so I'm going to just I'm going to tell you this story, 
And most likely, you're going to want to read more about this story after I'm done. So find out that small little place, the one you always drive by and you wonder what's inside, stop. And they're going to more than likely meet very enthusiastic, patriotic people that cannot wait to tell you the story that they research sometimes their entire lives. And the unselfishness with these men and women are, is astounding. Right. And guys, can I also offer one other thing? Yeah, yeah. I have a series on Fox Nation. I was lucky enough for them to ask me to do it. It's called What Made America Great? And they're roughly 30-minute documentaries, sometimes a little less, sometimes a little more. And we go to these different places that signify an emblematic of America's great past. And none of it's our perfect past, but it's our great past. Moments that get underappreciated that I'm able to talk to the people that keep these stories alive. So if you are a visual learner, if you want to see the documentary rather than read the book, go ahead and download the app. And if you click on What Made America Great, I have 16 up, working on five more and it'll get that train ride to go a little bit faster, you know, or that bus ride a little bit quicker, or the plane ride a little bit better. And there's so much other stuff to choose from, but I know what I've had a chance to do over the last year. Awesome. That's, that's good information. But, Brian, what should parents be telling their kids as, as to why the moral ideological indiscretions of folks like John F. Kennedy, FDR, Margaret Sanger, or Martin Luther King— they just don't seem to affect their beloved status with today's cultural elites on the left as, as the uh, indiscretions of people with more traditionally held beliefs on the right. Why is I'll that? I'll put it this way. There are no perfect people. The last perfect person they nailed to a cross. Right. And you have these people who are great leaders, charismatic, kind, who, if you read every book, John F. Kennedy, um, and the pain he was in regardless of that, he had moral transgressions. Mm. Uh, Bill Clinton balanced the budget. Um, and compromise with Republicans. Mm-hmm. Good job. And he also had uh, multiple incidents, one of which got him impeached in the House. Mm-hmm. And then you have uh, FDR, evidently a full-blown affair going on. Uh, Dwight Eisenhower, during World War II, while he's winning freedom for uh, the world, he also was having a full-blown uh, cheating on his wife. Mm-hmm. So do I think you should throw out all the Ike books? No. But should I say, hey, welcome to the human race. Yeah. Everyone makes mistakes, and most, uh, and most everybody tries to make it better and get better. And if those people are looking at these iconic people who are carved, whose faces are carved into the side of mountains, at least you could know, instead of saying, well, I'm never that good, i got all these faults, or you could say, look up at them and say, yeah, I want some of their positives, mm-hmm. but I'm hardened by the fact that they also had faults too. Yeah. And that if, I have to, if they have to improve, I should not feel guilty that I have to improve. We're out of time for today, but uh, our guest has been Brian Kilmeade, co-host of Fox and Friends and host of the nationally syndicated radio show, The Brian Kilmeade Show on Fox News Talk. Brian, you have been, uh, boy, I tell you, you've been hitting us with a fire hydrant of information here, but uh, I so appreciate it. And again, if people want to find your your new book, Sam Houston and the Alamo Avengers, I understand that's on pre-order now. How do they get that? Yeah. If you go to BrianKillMe.com and order it, I could personalize anything. It goes to my local bookstore, and we send it around the country, around the world. And if you want to find out where I'll be, we're setting up our tour right now. You go to BrianKillMe.com, just click on Book Tour. And, um, you know, if you know people on Fox, we uh, even though we're located in a major city, our fan base is around the oh, country sure. and through the Midwest. Absolutely. So that's where, uh, that's where I try to uh, uh, plug in my appearances. So yeah. hopefully I'll be coming to see everybody. Awesome. Excellent. Well, what a pleasure to have you with us. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot, Brian. And you'll find us online at LicensedToParent.org. There you'll find all of our past programs, conversations on a lot of topics vital to parents and their teens, and you can sign up for our blog. 
you can also help us help others. As you might imagine, running a residential program for troubled teens is very expensive, and many families simply can't afford it. But with your help, they can. Simply click the Donate tab at the top of the page when you go to LicensedToParent.org. And if you'd like to learn more about Shepherd's Hill Academy, our residential program, and whether we might be a good fit for your family or for someone you know and care about, just click the link to Shepherd's Hill on our homepage. Our guest coordinator on License to Parent is Daniel Fasina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosl, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. We'll see you next time.